In the show notes, I'm going to link you to an article about Patricia Highsmith. Shoulda Googled before I recorded this show. Once again, my ignorance about an author might have set me up for failure. Turns out, Highsmith was another one of those common birds, the mid-century writer of the anti-Semite variety, whose advanced-level bigotries really don't come up in the same breath as the praises heaped upon her. And they should. She was shitty. Greetings, Attic Wives, and welcome to Fuckboys of Literature. I'm your host, Emily Edwards. Of course, knowing this now absolutely shades my understanding of the novel, The Talented Mr. Ripley. If you're an awful, terrible person who hates Jewish people and black people and Catholics, of course you'd behave as Tom Ripley does and murder at the chance to be accepted into the elite, except not at all elite, club of being a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. For me, the appeal is minimal, for I feel as Groucho Marx does, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member, and the Wasps seemingly want everyone while simultaneously rejecting everyone. The logic is flawed, as is the entire lens of what is or is not valuable in America in the middle of the 1900s. Let's go. All right, everyone, with me today is a voice you will recognize from episodes in our previous two seasons. Danny Bose, how the hell are you doing? Uh, I'm doing the hell good. Good. That's what we like to hear. I mean, yeah. we, we had more complicated conversations before I started recording, but the, the polite thing to go, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> because it's all about, it's all about manners. It's all about presenting a respectable face to the world. Exactly. And yeah. God damn it. How can you do that? If you're struggling and poor, clearly you got to murder someone in order to make that happen. Well, you got to go to Italy and you got to be gay and then you got to murder somebody. That's that, that. That's the move. Those are the steps, yeah. kids. <laughs> First, you got to somehow connive to meet people with money, which I haven't really done yet. So we'll yeah. figure it out. Well, look out because now you know what you're dealing with here. If you listen, exactly. To yeah. This okay. So the weirdest thing about reading the talented Mr. Ripley was that I went and I read reviews of the 1955 novel, and mm. going into it. Uh, all the reviews are like, what are you supposed to do with a sociopath you like? And I was like, you're supposed to like this man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I got to say personally, it's like, I mean, I found myself identifying kind of painfully in ways that I was sort of like debating whether to even admit that on the pod. But then it's like, man, whatever, fuck it. You know, and um, because yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, Ripley being kind of like up against the up, up against it when he's in New York at the beginning of the book and he's like scraping and hustling. It's like, yeah, all right. You know, I mean, I literally was there a few yeah. years ago back when I was still living in New York, you know, so it's like, great. Yeah. But it's like, it's the whole thing about like, he takes it to places that maybe, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to go, but it's like, it again, it comes down to the whole thing of like, you don't need to fully identify with a protagonist and think that they're like an aspirational figure to enjoy them. And oh, the thing about, yeah. And the thing about Tom Ripley watching him just like roiling in fucking paranoia yeah. for the entire book. It's so, I mean, it's cathartic for me as somebody who is prone to paranoia. himself. yeah, me too. Um, I was just like, 
I was like, oh, hell yeah, this guy's handling it even worse than me. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I would be such a better sociopath than this guy. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that, like, he he's constantly acting on impulse. Like, none of this, like, shit that he pulls off is the result of a grand scheme of any sort. He's literally just reacting in real time to shit and just getting lucky. Oh, my God. And, and that's the real thrilling element of this. I mean, this is, like, the first... The one of the only thrillers I can think of where like the thrills and the suspense derive from just the sheer luck, just, just, yeah. just the caprice of the universe, yeah, just lets him get away with this shit because none of this shit should work. No, it shouldn't. No, especially now does. with like a basic concept of policing, like that we all have thanks to fucking oh, ridiculous like television like it shouldn't work and and you know i had mentioned to you when we were chatting about doing this i was like the first hundred pages i was like i'm really bored by and then right. i have completely reframed that concept because the first hundred pages and the last hundred pages are some of the best fucking writing i have ever read mm. ever in my life because mm -hmm. it is entirely down to just things falling in his lap and the luck involved in him being this man it's ridiculous it's fantastic oh, yeah. it's just him reacting with pure reptile brain to circumstances and not resisting those impulses you know and it's like it's just it's just stunning to behold and also the fact that all of this is being constructed with some of the most exquisite prose in 20th century you know english language literature i mean Good yeah. God, she can write. <laughs> I mean, she just can like, write. Holy fucking shit. Patricia Heisman can write, yeah. The, the terse and incredibly purposeful, pointed, and impeccable writing that she uses to describe how everyone in the book hates each other is it's mm -hmm. so deeply uncomfortable as someone who was never popular and like it has constant anxiety about whether or not I actually fit in anywhere where I am because I'm like oh no this is clearly how everyone views me you know because like if you've ever had that like I'm the per it's the person that I'm giving all of my affection and like um attention to do they actually want me here after you read this book you're just kind of like no they don't <laughs> I know and it's it's just it's such a great like museum tour of the wasp yeah you know, it, it, it's just like uh, it, it, it's just like oh yes i'm gonna gad about italy for a season or two on my remittance and you know like <laughs> and, and and then and then having the nerve to go over there and be annoyed when you run into other americans because it's basically mirror images of yourself because that's the thing that happens like numerous times in the book yeah it's not just tom it's like the other people too they're just like Oh, other Americans in Italy. And it's like, what the fuck are you? You're an don't uh, you, go to <laughs> Venice, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like, I mean, it's also just like Americans just suck. <laughs> they <laughs> like, do. This is this, uh, this is a just, manual. <laughs> and again, it's like it, it's like yeah, I mean, you know, all yeah, all the self-effacing. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm a wasp, trash and wasps, uh, wasps. I'm gonna an American trash and Americans, but it's like, I mean, there's shit to talk. I mean, you know, um, it's just, that's this entire show though. <laughs> it's like, listen. well, exactly. I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think this is the third time I've been on this? Motherfucker? Yes. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) Like, listen, there's something so deeply toxic about the fact that Tom Ripley is not of these people and will literally kill to be part of them. Because the idea of just being like a dude who just like lives on the outskirts in Boston and maybe like works at a shop. He's like, oh my God, I can think of nothing worse. I will literally kill people to not do that. And somehow being a killer is so preferable to this dude. Yeah, it's like it's like read it's like reading the Great Gatsby and going that shit is soft. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's Tom Ripley. You know, yeah. it's like because he's just like, it, it, you know, he's disgusted with who he is. Like he recognizes on a certain just innate level that he sucks. Yeah, and the way that he's going to address this is by addressing his facade rather than trying to grow spiritually like you know some other uh, literary protagonists you know he but he's just like nah because the more because and it's also like that's kind of like in a way sort of like an overly optimistic view of human nature that somebody will like turn inward and like you know nurture oh absolutely inside and like you know grow into being a legitimately better person i mean the quick fix the yeah. basis of the united states of america is oh yeah just like spruce up the outside yeah and it's like just, you, just you, make... you don't need to renovate the interior you just slap a fresh coat of paint on the outside exactly it's like fine, everyone you know? whose landlord paints over roaches in their apartments you know and the landlord's oh, but yeah. it's freshly painted and it's like there's literally a dead roach and might like paint it into my kitchen cabinets and that's tom ripley <laughs> yeah well, and it's and it's also the thing too is that you you mentioned it's like that the thing that he just wants more than anything is to be in this world of like you know the rich and idle in in Europe, and then he gets there and every single time he's at a party with a bunch of people in this book he's like these people fucking suck I need to get out of here I need to be alone I need to just like be on a boat staring at like the wine dark sea somewhere fuck this bullshit you know, these yeah. people are assholes you know, and it's like it's just such a beautiful conundrum because it's like. Highsmith doesn't dwell on that. She doesn't even point to it in any kind of like overt way. She is just like, yeah, look yeah. at this fucking guy. Yeah, it's just like, she you know. has no interest in really figuring out why Tom is like miserable and hates himself and hates life and hates existence. She does not fucking care, and yeah, it's she's- great. Yeah, she's just cackling there with a cigarette in her hand going, look at this little gay motherfucker. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's, and it's, you know, you know. Yeah, basically. Like, okay, so we do have to point out the fact that everyone in this book is gay, I think. Yes, Literally yes, everyone. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and Highsmith herself was bisexual. This is not coming from, I mean, it is coming from a place of hate, hating the queerness a little bit, but like how could it not be but it, it's very very much uh a 1950s way of treating queerness in people well and it's i i think that a lot of that is attributable to censorship practices at the time because i think that it's like if she was able to be more candid about it that first of all the references would be a little bit more overt yeah um i mean but the thing is is like she basically like writes the subtext in like you know 72 point bolded font but it is still on that subtextual level um and it's i don't think that it's uh, that that it is self-hatred of queerness i think it's 
it, it it's more of like a, an examination of the just the the rot that the closet inflicts, you know. Yeah. Because nobody is up front about being nobody's out. Yeah, nobody is. Is the thing. Yeah. And everybody is is tortured and and shitty and self loathing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's it, it it's more about it's more about the rot inflicted by the closet than it is like yeah. Then yeah, like I literally just said that, so I'm repeating myself. But yeah, I mean, but like golly, it, there's no like golly. I wish I wasn't like this. It it just you know th- there is no, it's, there's yeah. the the confrontation between Tom and Dicky of them being like I'm not queer, I'm not queer, and then they just kind of like go off and have dates again. Um, but it, it's a very uh, machismo inflicted very um confrontational sort of had they been able to actually like smooch and be uh, have a sexual relationship the book would not have been as as brilliant as it is well yeah because it's it all derives from that repression and the for it's so forbidden that you can't even acknowledge it to yourself yeah yeah let alone uh, your waspy ass parents who are like, we want him to just stop being gay in the Riviera and go fetch him, boy. Yeah, go get some gay woman pregnant. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, even down to the fact that like Tom, his, his, the death of his parents plays a, a fairly minor role in this, and he's raised by an aunt who they make oblique references to the fact that she like has to take him on vacation with their air quotes female friend and they're really unhappy that he's there and it's like oh my god mm-hmm. everybody in tom ripley's life is gay yeah except marge except marge and he hates yeah. her and he hates her so much oh yeah well that's the other thing too is that just like the little passing just scathing references to how much tom ripley just isn't he, he isn't with the whole woman thing on any level at all. He's just like, anyway. he does not like women. He finds them viscerally unpleasant to be around. He wishes they would just go away so him and his boy could go to Greece. Yep. I mean, while we're talking about like, you know, 96 point subtext, yeah. Um, yeah. But going with your, with yeah. your male friends to, to Greece. To Athens. Wink, yeah. wink. wink. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it's like, eh. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 the thing that's interesting is that that's even like it isn't even really like the driving force of the book or anything like that. It's just more like a just a thing that pervades. It's like, and I think it really is a function of it being like the 1950s when a lot of people were starting to be like, uh oh, something's wrong. Yeah. But they weren't really able to articulate it yet. Yeah. They knew it might have had something to do with everybody coming back from the war in 45 kind of fucked up. Yeah. And yeah. and and they didn't really cuz but you weren't allowed to talk about anything. So it was like, all right. And he started noticing more and more shit and it's like, yeah, this is like when, you know, like UFO stories are starting mm-hmm. and you know like and, and that whole thing. It's like somebody's something something's going on we don't quite know what it is and then you know of course you know in the next decade it all explodes. yeah exactly like something but, terrible is happening the men are different and women are going to college yeah and what 
what the heck is up with that, Jack? Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and, and it's like, it, it, and so, I mean, in this book is kind of perfectly of its time in that way, except for the fact that Patricia Highsmith has pretty good idea of what is actually going on. But rather than announce it to the world, she's going to tell a story about somebody who it's like, this little fucking guy doesn't <laughs> get it. And that's why it's going to be so much fun to just watch this little bitch squirm for 270 pages because I know what the fuck is wrong with him and he doesn't know what the fuck is wrong with him. Yeah. And being a writer kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate immensely that she does not ever take the moment to blame Tom and Dickie's fucked upness on the war. It is literally just oh. like, it, it, she never even mentions it. Yeah, they're just dickheads. Yeah, they're just assholes. They're just yeah, homegrown yeah, yeah. American assholes. Which in a way is like a refreshing kind of, it was with all like, you know, the Freudian shit that was in the air, sort of in the background noise of the culture. She's just like, nah, these guys are just assholes. Yeah. You know, they're just- <laughs> One's they're, poor, they're, one's rich. They're both dicks. Yeah, they're both wasps. And one wants to be a capital, uh, an uppercase wasp by getting the money. Yeah. You know, rather than, you know. Yeah. No. Uh, Yeah. 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 It's just such an entertaining fucking book. It is. It is. It's glorious. I mean, um, I know there are sequels to this. And still, at the end, I was like, it. uh, spoiler alert for literally everyone, if you haven't read this nearly 70-year-old book, like, he doesn't get fucking caught. How does he not get fucking caught? Are you kidding Uh, me? It's it's appalling. That last chapter is one of the most glorious things in the world because it's like he spends the whole boat to Greece, the whole boat ride to Greece being like, oh my God, I'm so fucked, I'm so fucked, I'm so fucked. Because he should be. Yeah. Like, it's a rational assessment of the situation. He handled the whole thing like a total fucking head up his ass fucking rank He did everything wrong. He did everything wrong. He fucked up. They found all of Dickie Greenleaf's shit right before he hopped the boat. He did that absurdly fucking high risk fucking last will and testament ploy which is insane parents yeah Yeah. forging a letter to dickie's parents being like oh yeah i left all my money to this gay guy i met in italy yeah you know Uh and then the parent and then you know and the whole boat ride to greece he's like i'm fucked i'm fucked i'm fucked i'm fucked there's no way i'm not fucked and he basically like has that kind of like like wrote a uh, ride across the river sticks with that old woman mm-hmm. and he's like talking about it's like she's the type of woman that tom normally would have been contemptuous of and loath but you know because she was like on the verge of death and he was on the verge of being fucked it felt like they were passing into the underworld together mm-hmm. and then he gets off the boat in greece and and the you know the customs guys are like all right whatever and he's yeah. like hold on they don't know who i am and then he goes to the newsstand and then the newspapers are just like yeah, well, eh, who, I, mean, I guess yeah. Dickie Greenleaf's dead and Tom Ripley inherited all his money. And then there's a letter from the Greenleafs being like, well, there's nothing we can do. Here's all of Dickie's money. Everything and seems in like, order. If the chapter's like four pages long and it's just Tom Ripley just gets off the boat and everything fucking rolls. And everything is fine. And he just, Your and roads he just, are paved and, with gold. And he just wins. And it's yeah. just like, it was, it's one of my favorite endings in any book because it's just like, uh, it's like, and in the end, everything was fine. <laughs> it's, like, it's like and, Patricia just, Highsmith is like, do you think there will be justice in this world? You fucking idiot. She's like, hell no. This is exactly the sort of guy who gets away with everything. And it's yeah. like, 
that fundamental level of understanding about how Americans kind of navigate the world explains so much when you understand that that's exactly how it works. It's some yeah. dickhead who thinks he's entitled to greater status and wealth than he has just because. Yeah, because he wants it. And he it. does whatever he wants to do, and he gets away with it. Mm-hmm. And it that is, is the, that, that is the narrative of our entire culture. <laughs> it's the perfect indictment of America of just like yeah, you are yeah. going to go wherever you want without filling out the correct paperwork. You're yeah, going to murder not. people along the way and yeah. fuck over everyone and everything will be fine. <laughs> everything is just fine. Are you a white man who can pass as straight? You'll be great. There you go. Yeah, no, she she really, because <laughs> I, I started watching the movie and I got so tense. I had, I like freaked out and couldn't finish it because it is just, the the movie is what everybody probably knows the story from because it's got Matt Damon and Jude Law at the height of Matt Damon and Jude Law. And mm-hmm. like, I've never finished it. So I'm going to need you to tell me like, is it accurate to the book or are they like trying to make uh, poor Tom Ripley like more sympathetic? Well, there are a couple, the the two most significant changes from the book to the movie are that in order to kind of uh, foreshadow Rip, uh, uh, Ripley's becoming Dickie Greenleaf, they add in uh, a character that Anthony Minghella invented in his script, uh, played by Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. who um runs into matt damon who is still tom ripley at that point and she thinks he's dickie greenleaf i don't remember exactly i mean it's it, there was some indication of some sort it's been a while since i've seen the movie right um, right right. but 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 there's some indication that she gets that he is dickie greenleaf and he's just like all right and he just goes with it and just sort of like yes answer through like the whole uh conversation about being dickie greenleaf and he sort of because he's done his homework on dickie and stuff so he's able to answer her mm-hmm. questions and stuff and and then she pops up at, uh, at, at, at a couple points in the movie and there's like this race because tom is like tom ripley to everybody else and he has to like switch back and forth between being tom and being dicky whenever kate blanchett shows up gotcha um and to while well, since we spoiled the ending of the book eh. let's go right ahead and do the same with the movie at the end of the the movie Tom's gotten away with everything and he's running away with um, uh, Peter Smith Kingsley. Mm-hmm. I think that's the character's name. Yeah. Uh, and Tom is finally like, you know, in touch with himself and he's off to go be gay with this, you know, very nice, charming, cultured uh, gay British guy. But Kate Blanchett's on the boat and she's the last thing that could give him away. And so Tom uh, like strangles Peter to go be with Kate Blanchett and and, and <laughs> like stay as Dickie, which is like it's it, the 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 thing that's hilarious about that is the ending of the movie that was made like forty five years later is that it's sort of like it's like a darker, more novelistic ending mm-hmm. than the book, which is like almost like a middle finger to like Hollywood endings where it's like, of course, everything's fine. He's yeah. the protagonist. Literally. Everything works out well for the hero of the book. You know, it's like, 
exactly. You can just picture her like typing the end and just like going on a fucking like laughing so hard that she passes out, Jag, for like you know, 20 <laughs> minutes after that. <laughs> Literally because... the end of the book is Tom Ripley going like, bring me to the biggest hotel in Greece. I want to spend all of Dickie's money. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the ending of FW Renounce, The Last Laugh, that he had to tackle. Uh, this is a tangent, but like when um, it, it was a you know, silent movie from 1924, it was acquired for American distribution, and the American distributor was like, Well, you need a happier ending. And Renau was like, What's wrong with the ending that I have where Emil Jannings loses all of his material wealth and station in the world and spirals and circles the drain and his entire life disintegrates and he dies alone and miserable. I mean, that's a great ending. Why are you, yeah. and, the, and the American distributor's like, this is America. You got to change the shit. So he did like a brief reshoot where the only intertitle in the whole movie, that was one of the famous things about The Last Life, was that it was one of the few silent films that had like no intertitles at all. Mm -hmm. So for the American release, he does one intertitle, which is like, and suddenly Emil Jannings' uh, rich aunt died and like left him a fortune. And then it's just this dickweed <laughs> fucking epilogue where Emil Jannings is just like going around in like, you know, fancy clothes and everybody in his slum neighborhood is like, oh, isn't it so nice? He's, he's, he actually is wealthy now. It's a happy ending. And Murnau is just sitting there going, yeah, this is a happy ending you want? <laughs> Don't yeah. ask me for shit ever again. You know, exactly. It's like, it's like that was what the ending of Heisman's ending for the talent of Mr. Ripley kind of reminded me. It was like, oh, you want a happy ending? All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't expect me to put any effort into it. You know, it's like, and it just rules because it's just such a fucking just like, it's just so disrespect. It's so fucked up. I you know. feel so disgusting by the end because you're like you uh, everything in your entire history of media consumption is just like this unrepentant murderer clearly has to get his just desserts and his just desserts is like a sweet at the ritz <laughs> it's uh, so I know. disgusting i love no it no comeuppance whatsoever it's None. just it's just beautiful and it's like that was one of my favorite ironies was that like a movie in 1999 where like they were doing ambiguous endings and like dark material mm -hmm. in the late 90s it was this nice little window where like you know hollywood movies were like Hey man, you know, it's like we're letting directors do what they want yeah. for a couple of years, you know? So it's like, and in order to make it work, Mengele had to like make it a left because it's always like the Hollywood movie has to like fix the ambiguous ending of the book. And it's like, yeah. in this case, it's like, ah, we need a darker, more ambiguous ending. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> I mean, yeah. at that point, like, Seven had already come out, and, like, Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in a box, and you're just like, of course they'll let the murderer just be a gay murderer, and they're like, absolutely not, he must end with Kate Blanchett, like... <laughs> No, no, yeah, it was always the thing, that because it always kind of threw me if, uh, that Anthony Minghella was straight, because I was like, I remember watching The English Patient and being like, yeah, this guy's got a real flair for lush melodrama. Yeah. And then, then it's like, oh, his next movie is Talon Mr. Ripley. Oh, well, he's gay, right? And yeah. it's like, oh, no, he's, no, he's not. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. yeah. Curious. <laughs> like, Curious. Like, not even that. It's just sort of like, I don't know. Well, it's, it's it, you know, it's going to sound like a joke, but it's like, nah, he's just British, you know, because it's like, <laughs> there is that gray area, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> speaking of, it's so fascinating that Tom Ripley 
really maybe he can't acknowledge it because of the time that the book is written but he seems to not realize that he gets picked up by men throughout the entire book i can't help but wonder if this is something that's going to be addressed in some of the later books because yeah. like because i've got the the box set of them sitting here and i'm going to kind of slowly make my way through them um because i mean this first just ruled so it's like um and i think there was uh, an adaptation of one of the later books with um, John Malkovich as a slightly older Ripley. Uh, Ooh. I, I, I don't remember much about that movie, but I remember him being decidedly non-heterosexual in that. Okay, um, good. Because I know, it's like, I mean, it, come on. like. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think this is more of a failure of Tom Ripley as a character than it is of Heisman is an author because it's like it's Tom's dumbass fault that he doesn't that he's so deep in the closet that he doesn't even realize he's in it. Yeah. Cause like when he has that, you know, like when Dickie just like dead ass drops it on him, it's just like, you know, March says you're gay. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's so violent. I've never been so affronted. And, and, and you're like uh i was like you you've know. lived in three men older men's apartments who like pay for your nice clothes and then you like <laughs> suddenly disappear and they really are not okay with it and he's he's just kind of like what they were being nice to me and it's like tom tom really tom, buddy yeah <laughs> yeah well there's also there's that like often uh mention of it's like, oh, he picked up a pretty young American boy to go impress him in his apartment for an hour. And it's like, just fuck him, please. Just, mm -hmm. just, just get a nut off, Tom. Come on. Yeah. Just like, just like come on. You'll no. learn so much about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like now I was wondering, you know, while I was reading the book, I was like, is this just like really weird, convoluted misunderstanding of like asexuality? But it's just like, I really don't think so. I really no. don't. No, 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 no. He's he, he... Highsmith knows who he is. But yeah. Tom doesn't know who he is. Yeah. That's that's, you know, because it's like I'm not just saying that because you know, because because I stand in the far lines of our time. But I mean, it's like she. One of the things that you can tell reading her, whether, you know, this series or, you know, other, you know, in, in her other, it's like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she does. She does. Yeah. And, and she, and one of the things that makes the kind of occasional kind of like sparseness and terseness of her prose work is that you just are never in doubt that she knows exactly what she's doing. And that yeah. like, the variances in style are for the purpose of contributing to the given mood at any moment in the book, rather than her being stuck in some bullshit that she isn't. It's just like, oh, oh, this is the way things are supposed to work. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Like if she was you a know. lesser writer, I would think that it was, it was a fault. But I th I, you are entirely correct. I think that she knows exactly who Tom is and writes him to have a personal fog. Oh, yeah. No. And th the other thing about this book, I mean, as much as, you know, like it's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty quick and everything like that. And it doesn't, you know, like dwell over much on anything. Mm -hmm. If she wasn't such a good writer, this book would suck because it doesn't really have much of, um, this word is overused and misused it doesn't have much of a plot really yeah it's just because it's just tom reacting to shit 
Mm-hmm. And if and, and if those reactions weren't written so perfectly, this would just be like you would have time to stop and think about the fact that the story doesn't really seem to it doesn't really seem to have a a, a story. But it's like that's all on purpose because yeah. it's like she's just doing she's doing what she wants to do in the book, which yeah. is just like I'm going to tell this story this way because that's how it works with the way I write. Yeah. I think most people nowadays, when they read thrillers, they're used to sort of like these, and then I have to get on a plane. And then I, it's like, uh, like the series 24, you know, where like every single fucking hour, some sort of catastrophe is happening and you have to go somewhere and do something and run as fast as you can. But like, this is not, I I realized why I was reading this, like that, like the quote, like all plot, uh, just vibes, no plot. Like that's my personal nightmare. But this is so the conflict from this is that there is only one conflict and it's just, will yeah. Tom get caught? And it just, in, in the, the tenseness and the thrill of it is that he should be, as we've said a thousand times, because he's just so fucking dumb. But like, it's it's so masterfully written um, in a way that I really wasn't expecting because I've read a lot of shit for this show. And like... Yeah. <laughs> oh so fucking a lot good. Of shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the thing is, this really is a no plot, just vibes book. It's just that the vibes are the beginning of Beethoven's Fifth. You know, it's like for the whole book. It's constant terror, and the terror is is that it is the terror that is fulfilled is that he's not going to get caught. She so masterfully plucked out all the things that uh, a misogynist hates about women in the way that like I, when she writes that Tom is just like recoiling at the thought of March's bra. Like I was just like, oh my God, that is the most perfect, mm. perfect description of how mis- how deeply misogynistic people hate women. Oh my God. Well, She's- yeah, and it's and it's so much more effective way of conveying that too than the way that a lot of lesser writers will have, you know, I mean, at the absolute nadir of it, will have like one character deliver a soliloquy to another where they explain their flaws to them. Yeah, and it's like that just stops everything dead the moment that that happens, and you can tell it's like a not very good writer with a a sense of self satisfaction that is bordering on religious epiphany. Yeah. And it's like, however good the point is, it's being made artlessly. Whereas making the point artfully is just, you know, is doesn't necessarily involve explicitly laying it out. But if you do it right, everybody knows exactly what you're doing. And that's yeah. why those little details, because she doesn't go into like, all, all, like, it's never more than like a line or like a passing mention yeah. of like one thing. But all of them compile into a sense of Ripley is just like, oh, Jesus, you know? Yeah, the number of times that she mentions that, like, Marge has a big butt, it's just like, oh, my God, it just wonderfully piles and piles and piles on top of each other. And he yeah. hates Marge's physicality more than he hates, like, the fascist police officers that he has to oh, have yeah. a conversation with. Yeah, which is in it, and again, another telling detail that is not you know like it's like what it's just when you read somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing doing all this stuff it just like why do i suffer through all this other bullshit you know it's like 
because like when you're talking about modern thrillers i mean that's the other thing too is that like modern thrillers are like recitations of tropes at this mm -hmm. point and she's sitting here writing this book being like nah fuck a trope this is what's going on it's like mm -hmm. this, 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 here's here's the guy doing the thing and you're like how dare why you? Can't, why can't why can't it always be this good? You know, it's like why can't it always be this good? Like uh, this book came out seventy years, like almost seventy years ago, and it's fucking flabbergasting how good it is, and how like even uh, though know. you know the ending, it still knocks you on your ass. She's just phenomenal. It was reading this, rereading this, um, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, reading it the first time, because the first time I read this, I was like a teenager. And I mm -hmm. know, but, like, the act of reading this book was physically pleasurable. Because yeah. it's just that fucking good. Yeah. yeah. It's that well done. It's that just, like, you know, original. It's, you know... Because I don't think that it was without precedent at that point to like have like a pulp novel narrated from the point of view of the villain no i don't think so I don't yeah think. It, it, it had been done yeah i mean you know pretty much everything's been done at some point but i mean this is the 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 one time i mean and this is probably it's i mean it's 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 up there for like the the best that anybody ever pulled it off yeah oh without a doubt because there's there, there are a number of pitfalls that you can get into with that one is that you start presenting a thoroughly reprehensible person as somebody who the audience should be rooting for mm -hmm. because the thing is like you're never rooting for tom ripley you're just sort of like it's sort of like kind of kind of giving him a look like just really i mean yeah you know but it's like you you never turn on him you never it's like you don't like have to put the book down because you're like this is horrendous I, I i can't do this to my soul it's like she manages to just like just like grind that rail to yeah. employ a totally inappropriate metaphor <laughs> it's perfect for, no, for the entire you know and it's like she has no interest in making you like him at all. And I find that more and more often um, when you are reading something now with the controversial, like uh, unreliable narrator or like, are you actually supposed to like the characters in the book that you're reading? And uh, I don't have to, but I do I think that there is a tendency now for people to want to make you like them so they'll be like oh the reason he's like this is because like someone killed this cat and you just have to be like yeah no i get it i love my cats too but she never even broaches that she's like he's an orphan and because of that he's still an asshole like his, <laughs> the woman who raised him was emotionally abusive terrible person and he's still just a fucking asshole and it's yeah gorgeous that she never even remotely tries to make you like this man well because it's also like refreshing because there is you know not to not to sound old and, and and i'm not beating up on the the younger generation but i mean there is a tendency in a lot of modern uh, genre literature in particular but mm -hmm. across the spectrum to have this kind of like high school English class version of just like, 
in this piece, the protagonist is so and so because of so and so. Yeah. And they uh, you know present the 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 complete um picture of the moral way to live life in every detail mm -hmm. and this person is the antagonist because they represent the contrast by embodying the opposite of all that is you know good and which is thus bad yeah and and, and in the in this essay i have demonstrated that because blah blah you know and it's like it's it's a very diagrammatic literature and yeah. the way that a lot of readers have been conditioned to because i'm not blaming it on the reader because i mean it's yeah it has you know, to be taught to you that way yeah and and there's and this is a problem you know it's like on my end of things as you know a movie person you know seeing the way people look at you know movies and they're being leached out of uh, all the ambiguity has been leached out of mm -hmm. no what's so funny to me is that the way i was yeah. taught about who the protagonist was in a story is the protagonist is the person who changes so they're the person who starts out one way and then they're the person who does some, you know, thinks or views things a different way by the end of the book. So, yeah. or story or something like that. And so if you think about it that way, it's not Tom Ripley. He's always a shit. He starts a shit. He dies a shit. He's always a shit. The person yeah. who actually changes the most in this is Marge. Cause she's just like, I'm in love with Dickie. I just want to have my like wonderful life with this man in Italy. I don't care what happens. And then by the end of it, she's just like, you're right, Tom, you were the best thing that ever happened to Dickie. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, Marge, you poor thing. What happened to you? Yeah, I mean, it's like you really want after the end of this that Marge just like go back to America, meet some like submissive straight guy. Yeah. And like have an actual heterosexual relationship with him. Yeah. Because instead of going to Italy and falling in love with a, a, a gay rich wastrel yeah. who gets murdered by a sociopath who wants to be a rich again exactly you know it's like stop fucking around with italy and all mm -hmm. these gay guys just go back to connecticut exactly nice, stop you know, toying like, around <laughs> with the fascists meet, just... meet, the, meet the one straight man in suburban connecticut yeah, exactly and, and marry a history teacher <laughs> like come on buddy yeah 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 no, no. I mean, it, it is true that it's like yeah it's like uh, yeah, I know. Poor Marge, you know? Poor Marge. Marge Poor gets Marge. a real shit end of the stick because you don't even feel bad for the elder Greenleafs, even though, like, the mom is dying of leukemia and the dad is obviously, like, freaking the fuck out because his gay son won't come home for his mother's funeral, essentially. And yeah, it's just. Fuck him. He's a rich shipping magnate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he literally thinks he can stalk someone into being, like, a surrogate son. It's so fucked up. Yeah, and it's like hiring a private detective and like throwing all this money around and everything like that. And then being such a fucking dumbass that he doesn't realize that he just got took by Tom Ripley. My favorite part yeah. is that he hires a private detective who doesn't even speak Italian. Oh, that rules. Yeah. Because <laughs> at that moment when Tom realizes, he's like, oh shit, what if he hires a detective that doesn't speak Italian? And then the guy comes over and he's this fucking Dana Andrews guy who yeah. like doesn't he's monolingual in English and he's trying to find shit out in Italy. And Tom is just like, 
oh thank god <laughs> you know, and if there's he's just like european, i'm saved <laughs> and yeah. if there's any european country that hates americans like almost as much as france it's italy they oh, fucking yeah. hate us it's great <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's like they also know that it's like the moment, you know, an American co- and they're just smiling and go, ah, si, signore, per favore, mm-hmm. uh, take me to America. And then the American turns his head for one second and just like 400 miles an hour in Italian just being like, this stupid motherfucker, yeah. I can't wait. You know, it's, just like, yeah. it's almost like when the Italians yeah. in the book decide that they're just not even going to bother solving Dickie's disappearance because of these fucking oh, idiot yeah. Americans. They don't care. It's so great. And that is one of, that is some real shit too. It's like the Italians are like looking at all the evidence and they're like, all right, so this rich American guy got killed and then this rich American buddy got killed. We could probably hang it on this other American, but that would involve work. I don't know. This is a victimless crime. Yeah, literally. They're just like, yeah, hey, yeah, we'll yeah. just take their stuff. <laughs> and that that is the thing. And I say this from the bottom of my heart, even though this is going to sound kind of racist, and it probably is, but I love Italy for that, man. When they decide to not <laughs> give a fuck, they're just like, they, they're the way that they don't give a fuck is like steeped in millennia of just like, nice weather and olive oil and And generational poverty and just like really who gives a fuck ultimately you know it's like the they can say who gives a fuck better than just like anybody you know and italian cops especially too it's like if they're like they'll stick on you as long as they're like motivated to the moment they don't give a fuck they're just like who gives a fuck you know it's like it's an entirely catholic country they do not give a fuck about murder it's amazing well it's like because they just well i I think that's probably why because i mean the corruption of the catholic church you know kind of like flowered out into the and just like oh yeah i mean you know life is sin and corruption and and everything it's like yeah powerful people can get away with anything i mean we're the seed of the roman empire i mean come on you know we were where the Borgias, Borgias and Medici's came from. You know, it's like, I mean, like. Yeah. No, and, it's a- and, and, and so it's like that, that just that shrug and just be like, yeah, I mean, they're yeah. Americans. It's a victimless crime. Yeah, it's it's like- so <laughs> funny. Like how yeah, often. It rules. T- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Make whatever but, you were. This is a lawless land. And it's just like, but, there's like. But four it's, different- it's, <laughs> but it's so real though. And that detail in the book is born of somebody who spent time in Italy probably saw some shit and was like oh yeah that's how it that's just yeah. how it is yeah. you know yeah and dicky is so dicky is so like um contempt riddled when Par- when tom is like i want to go to paris and he's like why like i can just live here in this lawless land of like anchovies and wine and like uh, why yeah. the fuck are you such a dumbass cliche to want to go to paris all the time you fucking idiot we live like kings here for like a dollar a day because italy is so fucking poor and you know, tom never realizes how poor the italians are compared to his level of poverty in America, where he's just like, I had this woman make drapes for my Venetian apartment and it cost $3 and I had to argue her in order to take $5. And he still thinks he's the poor one in the world. I know. He's walking around like $2,000 and he only has to spend like 25 cents at any given time. And he's like, what if I run out of money? I need to forge a will. And it's like, I don't know, bro. Yeah, Dude, like, you're I, literally I you're a billionaire. <laughs> Just stop eating steak and eating at the Ritz, you fucking yuts. 
I know. And as much as I got this, you know, I want to like rip Dicky for being like, why would you want to go to Paris? I mean, it's like, if you've been to the Amalfi Coast, I mean, that's kind of like the end point. That's, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, I could just stay here. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like, I mean, I mean, you know, until Vesuvius erupts again, but it's like, you know, it's oh, like paradise that, that, isn't good enough for you, Tom. Fuck you. Yeah, it's like just one of those places on earth where you can just stay. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's like, nah, Paris, nah, nah, I mean, I'm here. I'm good. Paris is kind of yeah. dirty. It's really expensive. Why well, would you want to go? It's all the way over there. Yeah, like, and it's I'm, cold. I'm, I'm here. You know, it's like I'm I'm on the Amalfi Coast getting laid, and I have enough money to survive for like five lifetimes. Like, yeah, my <laughs> favorite know? part is Dicky yeah. is like, yeah, I'm a painter. I know I suck, but I like it, and no one seems to care, and everybody tells me I'm good, but uh, I know they're lying because I'm a rich white man. But like, yeah. what more could I want? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just like that is the other. Th- it's one of the things where it's like, yeah, maybe Tom had a point. Is it's like he's at peace with not being a very good artist. Fuck you. You're supposed to be racked to torment about that. Go to the bottom. That's true. I'm not trying to hear that, Dickie. RIP. You know, rest in piss. Go, yeah. go over there. i I have to admit that like it was so funny because the second guy he kills is someone he doesn't really know it's this guy named freddie miles and he hates freddie miles so much because he's a chubby redhead and i'm like wow you dude you're not even hiding what you like why you are the way you are it's amazing oh i know that's the other thing too is he basically like the way he reacts to freddie is the way he reacts to women yeah you know and i think it's really just that it's like he doesn't want to fuck freddy mm-hmm. therefore freddy doesn't serve any purpose in the yeah. world even though he isn't f- conscious of any of this you know it's like you know if you confronted him with it he'd be like oh no of course not I mean, I've, never, I've never been so affronted <laughs> um but the thing that the thing that actually like actually made it work a little bit better dramatically in the movie is and this is just one of those things. It's not Patricia Highsmith's fault. Is that that Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Freddie in the movie? Oh, and that's the thing, man. He just made anything good. It's like, and there was his intro in the movie is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Which is like, decide. I mean, it might have been improv by PSH on set, or definitely wasn't from the book. Um, he like drives this like little red italian sports car like through like a cloud of like pigeons and bystanders and people like ducking out of his way and he comes screeching to a halt gets out of the car looks around at all the uh, italian signorinas and just goes god don't you just want to fuck every woman you see in rome you know or so oh. whatever it's like that and it's just he just shows up and he's just like i'm the i'm the most gauche rich american in this thing you know just but announcing it so perfectly he was like you didn't even know we were having a competition to be the biggest asshole in this scene and here i am winning it and then it's just this reaction shot to matt damon being like uh i think i gotta kill this guy you know (laughs) but but it's like (laughs) every single shot of psh in the movie is just like him turning around and just like looking contemptuously at ripley or like you know being condescending to him or like ripping him for being poor or telling him oh you don't really fit in no i'm friends with dickie and you're not you know and all that so when he finally murks freddie in the movie you're sort of happy yeah you know 
which is which is because it's it isn't really that because it's a it's relief. emotionally neutral in the book <laughs> yeah it's it is emotionally neutral but it's like because you're in tom's head at that point and tom is like oh he could fuck everything up yeah i, I got i gotta clonk him on the head with an ashtray like seven <laughs> or eight times until he comes out and you're like, I mean, that tracks. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, it's the most like, 1950s murder I can think of. Of like, look at this convenient art glass ashtray that I just get to whack you with until you're dead. Yeah, actually, I, from from being a little kid, I remember I came in on like the tail end of the period when people had like ornate, mm-hmm. very decorative ashtrays in, in, in their houses. And I do sort of miss that. Because Me too. Some of them looked, I mean, of course, you know, they smelled like ashtrays. But, yeah. Um, you know, they I, looked cool. Yeah. I loved yeah. the, like, the the coffee table cigarette lighter. Those were oh, yeah. badass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah smoking, smoking culture did have some stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I, I got to give it to them. Um, yeah, when they were like, oh, you have to make it less elegant because kids want to smoke because it looks really cool. I was like, correct, actually. Yeah, it does look really fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, that was like, you know, you, you know, it, it was good strategy. Make smoking yeah. less cool. Yeah. Like, and- you can't smoke in the bar. You got to go outside. So it's a pain in the ass. And then you're just and- damp and cold. And then none of the accoutrements are any cool. So then you're like huddled out there and somebody tries to sell you cocaine and you're like, have to think about it for a second. And you're like, <laughs> is this really, man, yeah. man this sucks. That yeah, looks, <laughs> looks fancier than my Bic lighter. So maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like better to be in, you know, in, in Rome with yeah. like, you know, a 25 pound ashtray that you can kill somebody with. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's really, when you get right down to it, like, the reason why, you know, the book and the movie adaptation are is cool is because it's Italy, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it like, is. there's just something, I like, I, I, I went off about this before, but, like, I gotta say it again. There's something about Italy, man. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only been to Italy once. I went to Rome on my honeymoon. And you're walking around and you're going like, this has been brought to you by genocide and the mafia. And you're like, and it's so pretty. And the food is so good. And everybody seems really happy. And you have to like argue with yourself about how fascism is always bad. Remember, fascism is always bad. And this entire country is built on it for its entire 2000 year old history. And you're just like, but the roads are really nice. And it's just fucking it's a mind fuck it is an absolute mind fuck going to italy yeah i mean and it's like they just do scandals like they the, the way they do scandals is like an art form because <laughs> remember this like 15 years ago half of the half of the like the or i don't remember is that many but it was like at least the three best soccer teams in italy all got like kicked out of the first they all got relegated from the first division because they were all colluding yes to fix matches for gamblers yes and, and it was like this and, and it was a scandal that encompassed the entire football association of the entire country it touched the lives of every person in the peninsula you know mm-hmm. and it was just like that is the kind of scandal that you just have it's like it's like an operatic aria it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely it, glorious. It's, it should be that scandal should be in a museum. And it's like whenever <laughs> their politicians get in shit, half the government has to resign. 
people go to prison. There are like public di public disgraces and you know like furious arguments uh, yeah. over the entire media. And it's just like it's just that's just the way it the way it should be. You know that's yeah. the way dysfunction is supposed to work. Exactly. You know? And it's like, we don't know how to do dysfunction in America because we are descended from tight ass Protestants. Exactly, exactly. Like, oh, it's tied right, up in paperwork. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's like when we fuck up and break the law, it's like this transgression before God instead of just like, no, this is just the game. This mm -hmm. is just the sheet music, you know? Like we're, yeah. we're playing the concerto from the sheet music. It's like, this isn't some, I mean, it's like, we're all going to fucking hell. <laughs> this is just, this is just the way it's, you know? Yeah. Whereas like Americans are just like shivering, terrified. And it's like, no, you got it. Nah, we just. Yeah, I know. We you can learn. Wants it. We can learn from them. <laughs> learn about this from this incredible, just like deeply <laughs> fucked up. I mean, like deeply fucked up country. We are not actually saying we want to be like Italy only a little bit, but like well, it's a deeply up. fucked up country. It is. <laughs> so fucked up. Like fascism yeah. is back. Like it never really went away, but it, like. No, it the just, fascism sucks. Yeah. But the yeah. Catholic corruption and the fatalism and the. It, and the, the, like that, the, that 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 part rules the public display of emotion i think is really interesting from like oh, yeah. the fact that tom is deeply freaked out by all public displays of emotion but he's like but isn't italy great and i'm like their entire culture is public displays <laughs> of emotion you fucking weirdo well he's at odds with himself and he is not self he's not a self-aware person yeah and because he's he's driven by instinct and reaction rather than conscious awareness and forethought and planning, it's like, yeah, of course he's fascinated by this place that's the exact opposite of him because he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. It's an instinctive pull that's taking him there. And I think, and just to kind of like, you know, bring it back to the text, I think another one of the reasons why the, this novel about an American guy going to Italy and kind of finding himself, even though he couldn't articulate why, is perfect. Because it's like, who he is as a person, fundamentally, is more in tune with Italy's vibe than it is with America. Because it's like, yeah, he didn't fit in in America he couldn't tell you why and you might not even really be able to figure out why from the early part of the book where he's in america mm -hmm. but once he gets to italy and it's just sort of like right this feels right you're like then the part of the book where he's in america and just completely alienated and at loose ends and not really able to function yeah it makes so much more sense because who he naturally innately instinctively is works perfectly in italy and that's the duality between like you know america and italy and i think part of the reason why i've been so like you know kind of exultant and kind of sloppy and probably culturally insensitive about italy in this talk is because it's so exhilarating watching tom ripley find his his spot you know? yeah 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 the, uh, the place in the world for murderous sociopaths is kind of just rome <laughs> Well, because it's like, if you told, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an Italian cop, you tell the Italian cop the whole story, 
the guy would just like be smoking a cigarette and he'd nod be like, yeah. Yeah. And he'd kind of like stick out his hand and you grease it a little bit. And he's like, cool, carry on. Have a lovely day, sir. And then you're like, well, just keep going. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying like he would understand it. Yeah, yeah. He'd just be like, oh, this guy, he's driven by inner demons and he did some shit. It's like, he, he doesn't get all moral about it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that is life. <laughs> Whereas if he tried to pull any of this shit in America. Oh, God. They and, were and, yeah. and the tight ass cops like arrested him. Yeah. And like, you know, put him on trial and the jury would be sitting there watching all the testimony and just be like, this man is a, is, is, is a homosexual. Yes. And, he's already and, guilty and, of and, everything. And, and a fraud. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Exactly. And they would just be like horrified. He's hosing like, little old ladies for fun and he's gay. Oh, well, send him to the scaffold. And they got to go home and have a drink and forget that they heard any of yeah. that shit. Whereas, like, the cop in Italy is just, like, you know, smoking his 29th cigarette of the day and just being like, yeah, nah, fuck it. No, I mean, fine. shit, man. People yeah. are fucked up. What do you want? Yeah. You know? I, gotta, I gotta say, like, this book, uh, you know, I loved it more than I really thought I was going to. And I can't thank you enough for reading it with me because it was just so fucking good. It's oh, God. Thank infuriatingly you so much good. for suggesting that we do this for this episode. Because I was like, I oh, tell it to Mr. Ripley. That kind of... And I was thinking about it. I was like, it kind of makes sense. And of course, the paranoid part of me is like, what's Emily trying to say about me? Nothing, I swear. I've just been wanting to do this book since the very, very beginning. And I, 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 it's, I'm just like so freaking happy that it, it's, we, we got it. And in it's a, it's a great chat. I, seriously, I just oh. knew you would get it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. And this, anybody listening to this, Who's like, these two are just being a little too giddy and carried away about this. No, 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 no. We're no, no, not no. playing it. This this is one of the great books. It is. You know, like, and I'm not, I mean, I am prone to hyperbole and exaggeration, but like I'm being as like just concrete and just like plain as I can about that. This is one of the great books. This is one of the great writers. And, yeah. you know if any of this that you've listened to made you want to pick this up just this it you, do it you, yeah you're welcome i don't like anything yeah. and i loved this book so. <laughs> <laughs> danny how can everybody keep in touch with you and your work uh well you can keep in touch with my work after the pandemic is over but until then uh, I am whiling away my time on Twitter mostly at at 5 B-Y-B-O-W-D-S. Um, it's sort of a pun. 